Matthew 14, verse 22, the Bible says here, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. He's just performed a miracle where he has fed 5,000 men. It's not even counting the women and children. So somewhere around, you know, 13 to 15,000 people were fed by uh, five loaves and two pieces of fish. It's a pretty incredible thing that God did. And then Jesus, immediately after this is over, he tells his disciples, get on a boat, go ahead of him to the other side. And he dismisses the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, but it was buffeted by the waves uh, and the wind that were blowing and pushing against it. So it was stalled, basically. So shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. You know, there were some fishermen in this group. And so they had heard about ghosts on the water. And now that whole thing is coming to pass. (laughs) I heard about those, those spirits out here on the water. And here we got one right now. But Peter, uh, he noticed something that was different. The Bible says, Peter says to Jesus, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Now watch this simple response. Jesus says, come. Jesus doesn't give him a crash course on how to walk on water. He just simply says, come. He doesn't tell him, hey, as soon as you get out of the boat, don't worry about it. I'm going to suspend gravity. (laughs) He just says, come. It's pretty incredible how when God calls us to himself, he doesn't give us a whole lot of details. And he still expects us to walk out of the boat. I'd like to know, okay, um, you going to take care of this? Like, everything going to be all right? Like, can you tell me where the money is going to come from? Can you explain to me what it's going to look like in five years? But. He just says, come. And I love Peter's boldness, right? Peter just jumps out of the boat and he walks to Jesus. The Bible says here, then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. I love this because Peter is in that boat with the rest of those dry people worshiping Jesus. I've said this before. I'll say this again. Sometimes you just got you just got to worship Jesus with the residue of your failure and the embarrassment of what you did all over you. Everybody else is dry. You're soaking wet because you just blew it. But you got to lift your hands and give him glory anyway. I don't know if anybody felt like this when you came into the church this morning, but you weren't dry. You didn't make it squeaky clean through this week. You came in with a little bit of residue on you, and you still had to lift up hands. Okay. So they climbed into the boat. The wind died down. Those who were with him in the boat worshiped him. When they crossed over uh, and they landed on Genesaret, when the men placed Uh, When the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent all word to the surrounding country. People brought all their sick and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. I believe that this story is 
more about Jesus teaching us how we are to live than teaching us necessarily what Peter's faith was all about. I want to talk to you about that today just for the next little bit. First of all, I see something really interesting in the story at the beginning when it says immediately Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and they went ahead of him and they've been rowing all night long and the Bible says that their boat was a considerable distance from the land and while it was out there, Jesus goes up on a mountain to pray. But then all of a sudden, Jesus, who has been, been delayed, he's not with them, all of a sudden, Jesus shows up at the same place they rowed to, he walked to. You see that? Like, am I the only person that sees that? Like, they've been rowing all night. Jesus gets up, and at dawn, he walks to where they've been rowing all night. In other words, there is a way we live where we've been rowing and trying our best to get there, and Jesus just comfortably walks there. It's almost as if Jesus is teaching us how to accelerate his plan and purpose in our life. And it's through this avenue called the supernatural. Now, I, I want to talk to you how, about how to tap into supernatural living today. Because I think this is the picture of most of us in our walk with God. Is we are rowing and the wind and the waves are pushing back. And sometimes we look and we watch people who are like they haven't tithed as much as us, and they haven't been saved as long as us, and they seem to walk right past us, and we're sitting here struggling in our relationship, and they're just like Jesus. They're just walking on stuff that we're sinking into, and we're wondering, God, what in the world am I missing? Why is it so hard for me and seems so easy for somebody else? The difference, the advantage is the supernatural. It's the supernatural. So Jesus comes walking on the water. And I had a friend share a story with me that I think will help you kind of understand this. He shared this story, and he said that he was, he was a runner in, in high school, and he, didn't, he, was, he was too slow to run in the sprints, but he was, he was faster than all of the long-distance runners. So he didn't have the endurance of long-distance runners, but he also wasn't as fast as the sprinters. And so what he had learned was how to live at his pace, how to run at his pace, how to, how to race at the pace that he was intended to race at. So instead of looking at how fast everybody else was running or how slow everybody else was running, he said he would get into the race and he for the whole, almost the entire race would be in the back. Then around the third lap, he would creep up into the middle of the pack and around the fourth lap in the mile especially, he would accelerate and he would finish ahead, winning a state championship this way. And he said, Robbie, the one thing I learned about winning is you don't have to be ahead the whole time to win. Can I, can I give you some good news this morning? You might look like you are behind, but God can accelerate you in such a way that what, what was a race you look, it looked like you were going to lose. You are actually going to win. God can do in the last lap 
exceedingly abundantly more than you could possibly ever imagine. You might be looking at everybody right now wondering, how are they so far ahead of me? Man, those disciples were way out in front of Jesus. But one supernatural walk on the water can change everything. And I'm just telling you that God is designed and intended for you to live a life that is not just in the natural, but it is supernatural. Not a life that keeps rowing against the waves, but a life that walks into the waves and into the wind and into into the sea and into the struggle, not away from the struggle. Not, see, see, most of the time we get up against something and we just keep rowing. And God is saying, the reason you're struggling so bad is I'm not teaching you how to row harder. I'm trying to teach you how to live by faith and not by sight. I'm trying to teach you how to walk on water. It's not just a one-time event. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to teach you how to make this a part of your lifestyle. This is a part of, this is a part of your, your lifestyle, what looked like a situation where you were behind. I can, I can make you win because you do not have to be ahead the whole time to win. I love that thought. And then the Bible tells us here, so after he dismissed him, he went by the mountainside to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. The boat was out there. Jesus comes walking on the lake. The disciples saw him. The disciples saw him. You know, redemption changes your potential. Seeing Jesus changes your potential. When you got saved, your potential changed. The possibilities for your life changed. Before you got saved, your potential was based on your talent. A lot of times your background, your education, your opportunities. When you get saved, your potential changes. And all of that stuff that used to matter to your potential doesn't matter anymore. That's why Paul said when, about when he came to Christ, he said, all that stuff I learned before Christ, I counted as dung. It's trash, basically. It's waste. All I want to know now is him and him crucified. Like when I got saved, my potential changed. When I got saved, the possibilities for my life changed. The trajectory of my life changed. Everything about me changed. My past doesn't matter anymore. The, the, the history of my family doesn't matter anymore. What was done to me and what I did doesn't matter anymore. My life has changed. And so when I meet Jesus, when I see Jesus, my potential changes. Why? Because he exposes me to a life that I've never seen before. This story is about exposure. This story is about Jesus exposing a life to his disciples that they were unaware of before. Because when Jesus comes walking on the water, they've obviously never seen a man walking on water. So their thought is, this is a ghost. They've never seen anything like this before. And the reason some of you are even in this room today is because you came into, here, into this place and you said, I feel something that I've never felt before. I'm hearing something that I've never heard before. 
And when you are exposed to something, it creates a hunger in your heart for what you have been exposed to. And this is one thing I know about Jesus. He doesn't expose me to something that he doesn't want me to have. So if he shows it to me, he's literally saying to me, I'm inviting you in to live this kind of lifestyle. If I'm exposing walking on water to you, then I'm not saying this is something you can't have. I'm actually saying this is the life I created for you to live. It's exposure that creates hunger. And that's why you, you can, that's why one of the things that we, we very often do is we trap our, 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 our mind in the limitations of what we've been exposed to. And we refuse to expose ourselves to anything. And so you, you, still, you still listen to the same music you listen to. And you won't open your heart and life up to anything new. You still like church the way it used to be way back when. And you won't expose your life to anything new. You, you still like the way it was when you were, in, you, know, you were in your church. And everybody was just, you know, yeah, like this. And everybody wore their suits. And everybody just walked around with those masks on. And acted like they were holy and living right. And they were living in the crowd craziest sin you could possibly imagine. You, li you, you like that because there, there is a comfort that keeps us from our purpose. And when we are exposed to something, that, that's why they said it's a ghost, because it was foreign to them. See, God is trying to take you in a place in him that's foreign to you. You don't understand it. You don't know what it feels like. You don't know what it looks like. You've never seen it this way before. I'm just telling you, there is something that God wants to do in this church and in this church for this community that they have never even seen before. And most of Christianity will turn and look at it like that's a ghost. That's weird. God's saying, no, I'm just exposing you to a new way of living. I'm trying to show you a different aspect of myself that you've never seen before. You didn't think I was a ghost when I multiplied the fish and the bread. But this is weird. I, I, okay, yeah, because, 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 because I, 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 I saw the bread and I saw the fish and and I, so there was, there was the means, but this miracle, there doesn't, there doesn't seem to be any logical explanation. I mean, I guess logically you could say, yeah, I guess God could take bread and make more bread, fish and make more fish, but logically, how is this dude walking on water right now? Like none of this makes sense. And so God is trying to expose you to a way of living that honestly, if you look at the situation, only one of the 12 chose to live it. And that's what concerns me about modern day Christianity is that usually this is the percentage of people who choose to live supernaturally Versus people who just want to live safe. And so while, yeah, Peter is on the water, let's talk about the 11 people that are just chilling in the boat in their comfort because they won't allow what they've been exposed to to become a part of their life. They look at Jesus and say, yeah, that's for you. And we do that with the Bible. We look at, we look, <laughs> we, 
we look at verses like, love your enemies, ah, that's for Jesus. He's the one, I can't, I can't, that's for Jesus. And for some of us to love our enemies would be like walking on water. So whatever walking on water looks like for you, that's what it looks like for you. Walking on water is, is, is living out those verses that your, your flesh says, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to stay right here in this boat. I don't want to give. I, I don't want to serve. I don't want to love like that. I can't. For, do you know what they did to me? I can't forgive them. And so we sit over here in our boat, and Jesus is actually exposing a life to us that we could live if we would just step out. You say, I, I could. Yeah, you can actually. You can forgive those who have hurt you. Yeah, you can love your enemies. It is possible. Jesus has called us to this life on the He's exposed us in his, his word to this life that is possible for us, but we refuse to live it. And when, watch this. When we refuse to live the life that he's called us to live, when we refuse to step out, we get introspective. And now, we, because we're not living the life we were supposed to live, we get jealous of the lives that other people are living. And because I was supposed to forgive, I'm looking at so-and-so over here who's living a life I was supposed to live, and now I'm jealous. You know, jealousy is about the dumbest thing in the world. Do you want to know why? It, just look at the Bible. There, there, was, there, was, there were these two women. Jacob had these two wives, uh, Rachel and Leah. Leah, right? Leah was the one that he got he didn't want. Right? But when he married her, she was able to bear children. Okay? So he marries Rachel. Now, Rachel has his heart but Leah is having his kids. Rachel is jealous of Leah because she wants to have kids. She's got his heart, but she wants to have kids. Leah is jealous of Rachel because she's having his kids, but she wants his heart. And they're both looking at each other, wishing they were each other, and ain't neither one of them happy. Sometimes... When you see people out there doing life and you look at their life and you think you want that, you should, you should really ask the question, not, not, not what do you have, but how did you get there? Because sometimes people, people have something and they regret how they got it. And you don't want that journey. You don't want, you don't want that in your life. So jealousy is literally the dumbest thing ever because while you're looking at them and wishing you had what they had, they're looking at you wishing they had what you have. And it's the dumbest thing when we should all be looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Stop comparing your life to what everybody else is and get out of the boat and live the life God intended for you to live. Do that. <laughs> Sometimes you're jealous of people who regret how they got there. All right, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> you can't chase purpose and need at the same time. There, there's the, the need for comfort, comfort will keep you out of purpose. It kept them in the boat. Their need for comfort 
Sometimes, some, I wonder what would have happened if two, three, four would have gotten out of the boat. I really feel like just then everybody would have gotten out. And it'd been crazy because some of them would have been sinking and some of them would have been walking and some would have been like halfway in it looked a whole lot like us. <laughs> but if more would have gotten out, more would have gotten out. Why is that? Because sometimes in order to do something, we have to see other people, sometimes more than one person, do it. And that need, that need to have others go before, that need to have to do something before I do it, I have to do it in a group, that need is keeping you from supernatural life. Whew. Some people's need for relationship will keep them out of their calling. Some people's need for money will keep them out of their calling. Some people's need for security will keep them out of their calling. Because you, you, you cannot chase comfort and calling at the same time. You can't do that. <laughs> now watch. Peter, he's, he's the great one, right? Because Peter jumps up out of the boat. But sometimes we try to do what Jesus does without doing what Jesus did. <laughs> so when Peter gets out of the boat, he at the beginning, he's walking on water, right? And we're all like, wow. And Peter can brag, when we all get to heaven, he's probably gonna be the only person other than Jesus to ever walk on water. He'll be like, hey, what'd you do? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I walked on water. He's got the one up at every dinner conversation for the rest of his life. I walked on water. Him and the guys that walked on the moon. What'd you do? I walked on the moon. <laughs> I walked on water. He, he does. But if we notice, Peter's, Peter's uh, certainty, Peter's confidence, as soon as the wind picks up and he remembers the waves, it immediately begins to sink. Not only is his confidence gone, but he's literally gone. He's sinking. Why? Because Peter was trying to do what Jesus did without doing what Jesus did. If you notice, they've been rowing all night. Jesus has been praying all night. If you notice, Jesus, before he takes this journey on the water, he doesn't just assume that the water is going to cooperate with his footsteps. The Bible tells us that before he goes walking on the water, he has actually gone off by himself on a mountain to pray. <laughs> so if Jesus needed to pray, 
to live in supernatural lifestyle? How much more do you and I need to pray and to talk to God? We have to do what Jesus did to do what Jesus did. We can't just step out of the boat and assume we have the spiritual fortitude to stand on water when the waves are blowing around us. See, it was nice when Jesus was like, hey, it's me. Don't be afraid. Okay, cool. I'm coming out. But as soon as the wind and the waves picked up, his faith began to fail. Even Jesus rebukes his faith when they have a conversation. Why? Because Peter was trying to do what Jesus did without doing what Jesus does. And that's our problem. We're trying to live this life doing what Jesus did without doing what Jesus did. We look at, we're trying to forgive, we're trying to love, we're trying to, we're trying to walk on water. But whenever a situation hits and life hits, we all of a sudden, boom, we resort back to, oh God, I can't do this. I, <laughs> I don't have, and so this, this, is, this is the thing that I wanted to get to you today. As high as God can take me without losing me is as high as I can go. Some of us, we are grounded because God can't take us any higher. Because if he takes us any higher, we will lose ourselves. Because we can't take the wind. We can't take the waves. We can't take the pain. We can't take the, we can't take. See, listen, you want more, but you can't handle what you have? God is so good. He's not gonna give you what you can't handle. He's not gonna put something on you that's gonna make you lose you. He, he won't do that to you. And so what he does is he waits for you to build in the spiritual fortitude to stand when the waves are blowing. And so some of you are grounded right now and you're wondering, why can't I go any higher? It's because if I took you any higher, it would ruin you. It would wreck you. It would destroy you. And I just refuse to destroy you. I'd rather keep you grounded than destroy you. You're like, God, give me more. Give me more money. Give me increase. Okay, but you're still fighting with people on Facebook. You can't handle more. Like, like you want, I want more, God, but you still get mad when they unfollow you on Instagram. You can't, you can't handle more. If you want more, with more comes more pain, more suffering, more issues. Just simply getting a house, a bigger house requires more. Your electric bill gets higher. The maintenance gets more. Every more requires more. And what God is requiring of us in this season is, yeah, I want to take you to places you've never been before. I want you to walk on water, but I also want you to establish a life on the mountain in prayer with me that will cause you when the wind blows. You notice Jesus didn't sink. Everybody's like, hey, Peter, he sunk, but somebody was walking on it. Somebody's walking on it. You're like, well, I, you don't understand the cards I was dealt, Rob. No, somebody's walking on it. 
You don't understand, my dad wasn't there for me. No, somebody's walking on that water. You don't understand, my mom left me. No, somebody's walking on that. You don't understand, I was abused. Somebody's walking on that water. You don't understand, you don't know what happened to me. No, somebody is walking on that water. So stop with the excuses. We have nobody to blame but us. God is saying, this is the life I have called you to. Stop looking around. Stop waiting on your neighbor. Stop waiting for somebody else to respond. Stop waiting for people to like you. Stop waiting for everything to line up. Just do what I have called you to do. Somebody's walking. You don't understand. I grew up in poverty. Somebody's walking on that. Somebody's walking on it. It's not the water's fault. We want to blame the water. Man, if that, if that water wasn't so wavy, I'd walk on it. No, it's not the water's fault. Somebody's walking on it. You got to make up in your mind today. Somebody's walking on it. Because God is intended for you to live a life that what everybody else is sinking into, you walk on it. He's exposing us, not just to Peter's failure, not just to the lack of faith in the disciples, but he's exposing us to the potential of our life. This is a life I intended for you to live. See, when they got back in the boat, he didn't say, Peter, you know, humans weren't intended to walk on water, it's all right. He said, why are you so small in your faith still? How do I increase my faith? How, how, do I, how do I grow in my faith? I have to grow in intimacy. Why did Jesus do what he did, say what he said? Why? Because he said, I, I literally only do what I see the Father in heaven do. How, how, did he, how did he know what the Father in heaven was doing? Intimacy. See, we want to walk on water, but we don't want to go to the mountain to pray. And I'm just telling you, God is calling you. Yeah, he's got great things for you. He's got water for you to walk on, but he's first he's calling you to the mountain to pray. Think about it in David's life. Killing Goliath was a public proof of private practice. Throwing that stone at Goliath didn't make David good with a sling. He was good with a sling before he got to Goliath. You have to develop confidence in your spiritual arsenary before you go into battle or else you'll go into battle uh, 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 give me a sword uh, let, me, let me take this Bible I never pick up and just start whacking around with it let, let, me, let, me get on, let me get in this prayer closet I never use and just start praying let's develop in private 
so that he can use you in public. Let's pray, Father, in Jesus' name. I'm asking you today that you would you would help us to see, expose us to what you have for us. Not so that we think that we can just jump in and grab it, but so that we can see what we will need discipline-wise to prepare for what you have prepared for us. Sometimes we're asking you for stuff we haven't even prepared our hearts for. So no wonder we're overwhelmed if we get it. No wonder people we look at and they get exposed to fame or popularity or more money and we look at their tragic fall. Why? Because they weren't prepared for that. No wonder most people who win the lottery end up losing that money within the first few years and declaring bankruptcy. Why? Because they weren't prepared to handle it. A million dollars isn't going to fix somebody who's bad with a hundred dollars. Help us to see it's necessary to go to the mountain to pray before we ever consider walking on water. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen.